Thank you, worship team, for setting the table for us and giving us a chance to express our love to God in music. You know, sometimes people that know me well seem to think that I'm a sort of a heartless guy because I don't show him my emotions very readily. Um, you could hit me with a fire axe and I really wouldn't respond, but when it comes to singing the Word of God, I cry like a baby. I cry at the drop of a hat when that's going on. So I, I do love the worship and appreciate you all coming out this morning. You know, on a, on a snowy day like this, some people might think that everybody would stay home. And you know, when you're, when you're in a church and you're, especially when you're starting a church, you know, you need that pioneering kind of person that wants to be part of starting something new. That pioneering person that the harder it is, the more they like it. And so we needed you to be here today. Personally, I needed you to be here today. So thanks for coming. In the last couple of months, we've been studying the book of 2 Corinthians, and we've been looking at how we can better work for God or work with God. In the last two weeks, we've been covering a pretty difficult subject, and that's the subject of giving. The Apostle Paul is admonishing the church in Corinth to take up an offering to give to their brothers and sisters in Jerusalem. And so he's asking them to give of their finances. He's asking them to give generously, and he's asking them to give to somebody who can't give anything back to them. There is no payback. This isn't a loan. This is giving as unto the Lord, and the Lord is now going to give it away to them to meet the needs of that church. Uh, and so it's, it's, it's a difficult subject in, in, in many times, but in the, we're not only looking at financial giving, but we're looking more broadly at the biblical uh, concept of generosity. Now, when we talk about giving in any group of people, there's, it's uncomfortable, isn't it? I mean, let's be honest. There's something, there's the elephant in the middle of the room. There are things that we're thinking, but we don't want to say out loud. And there are questions like, where is this money going to come from? Like, do I have extra money in my checkbook sitting around that I don't have a need for? Or if I have some money in my checkbook and I gave you that money, what if something happens to me? What if happens, there's a car accident, there's a medical emergency, my roof goes bad. What's going to happen? I have to, I have to be responsible for the people that, are, that I, I'm responsible for. And if I had some extra money, would I, and I gave it to the church, why would the church turn around and just give it to somebody in Jerusalem? Or for instance, why would we give money to our church that meets in a school in, in North Canton, Ohio, and then our pastor turns around and gives it to some guys in Tajikistan? And until just a month ago, none of us even knew where Tajikistan was. I have not found one person yet that knows where Tajikistan is. And I didn't know where it was either, so I'm not getting too full of myself. But, uh, you know, why would you do that when there are needs here in North Canton? It's questions like this that are very real. They're very natural and they're very normal. Paul today is going to address this elephant that's in the middle of the room. And uh, let's be honest again, if, if the Spirit of God lives in you, there's something in you that wants to be generous. When there are needs, and these needs are come in front of you, there's something that wants to give, and yet many times what, the, the part of you that wants to give is hindered by fear. The, it's all those what-if questions. What if, what if, what if, what if. You've got to believe that the people in Corinth were thinking the exact same thing. So the Apostle Paul is going to answer these fears in today's passage. So let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 6. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. 
You'll be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but it's also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. I've got to tell you, I won the lottery when I got this passage to preach. I could just read this, stop, read it again, and I would have hit a home run. This is an unbelievable truth from God's word uh, it, because it, it, it tells us three things about God's operating system for the universe. You understand that God is the creator and the sustainer of the universe, right? He created, in order to create all this, it doesn't willy-nilly just go wherever it wants to go. There are laws of, of physical laws, there are spiritual laws, there are natural laws that are at work that are the operating system. In the computer world, we call them an operating system. God has an operating system for how things work. So an example would be gravity. Gravity is part of the, the, the operating system in, in God's natural world. And you can believe in gravity, or you can say gravity doesn't exist, but climb a tree and jump out, and you're going to find out that gravity is real, whether you believe it or not. And it is part of God's operating system. There are three principles in here that I want to talk about today. The principle of sowing and reaping, the principle of God's provision, and the principle of God's generosity cycle that are as real as the top of this table is. They're real, they're true, they work. I've seen them work over and over and over again, and they're awesome. The Apostle Paul says it's an inexpressible gift. The King James Version says it's an unspeakable gift. The New International Version says it's an indescribable gift. So whichever one of those says it is, it's pretty darn awesome, right? It's pretty darn awesome. We're in, just be, seatbelt yourself in today. This is a great passage to preach. And I want to thank God for his inexpressible gift. So let's pray. Lord, we, we humble ourselves before you and we thank you. Thank you for your inexpressible, unspeakable gift. Lord, you love us. You created us. You love us for some reason. And because you love us, you give us your grace. You, you give us things we don't deserve and things we haven't earned and things we haven't built. You've given them to us. You've given us salvation by grace through faith. You've given us forgiveness of sin. You've given us your spirit that lives in us. You've given us your word that is the handbook of life. You've put us in the body of Christ so we're surrounded by people who love us and care for us and care about us. And you've called us to be ambassadors in your work and to, you want to bless the world through us. Lord, it's an, it is an unspeakable gift. And I thank you for it. And I pray today that we would be instructed I pray that our minds would be open and clear. I pray that we would be encouraged. I pray that we would be convicted. And I pray that, Lord, that you would mobilize us to do what you've called us to do. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to start with operating principle number one, God's principle of sowing and reaping. And it's found right in verses six and seven. The point is this. Love that. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each must give as he has decided in his own heart, not reluctantly nor under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So we learn four things from this, this passage. We learn, first of all, that we have to sow seeds to reap fruit. 
This isn't complicated, is it? I, I lived out near Canal Fulton, and I had corn that was planted on my property every year. So the guys would come out, and they would put corn, seed corn in the ground in April. And sometime in you know, August, September, October, they'd come out with a big combine, and they would, wherever they put one kernel of corn, five or six ears would come out, and hundreds and hundreds of kernels of corn would come out, and you would sow seed, got fruit. There were years that we would let that ground go fallow so that it would recover, and so magically we didn't put corn in the ground, and magically nothing came out that looked like corn. Now, other stuff did come out. In the absence of good seed, there was all kinds of other junk that came up in those fields. Weeds, thorns, like where did they come from? You have no idea. But corn did not come out. So guys, we have to sow seed in order to reap fruit. You know, if you're a person that says, well, I don't see a lot of fruit in my life. I don't see a lot of God's blessing and God's provision in my life. You got to ask yourself, are you putting any seed in the ground? Because if you're not sowing any seed, you've you got to sow seed to reap fruit. It's not, not complicated. Uh, and God is in charge of fruit production, by the way. If we put an apple seed in the ground and we nurture that seed and it comes up, when it starts producing apples, do you make apples come out of apple trees? I don't. God makes apples come out of apple trees, and when the fruit comes, it comes and comes and comes. God doesn't say, go make the fruit come out of trees. He says, put seed in the ground. Step one. Second thing is we harvest in direct proportion to what we sow. So we sow generously, we reap generously. We sow re uh, sparingly, we reap sparingly. You know, in this God's word tells us he wants us to sow and reap bountifully. I love that word, bountifully. But you know, in order to reap bountifully, we got to sow bountifully. And he wants us to experience great blessing. But in spite of that instruction, many times believers sow very sparingly. And you got to ask why. I mean, I, I understand that some people are just selfish. I mean, the, 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 some people are. Some people are under the mistaken belief that the more that you grab for yourself and the more you hold close to your chest, the more you're going to have. Scripture says, not my operating system. That's your flesh's operating system, but it ain't going to work that way. Jesus said, whosoever shall save his life will lose it. Whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. It's a paradox to the natural mind, but in God's operating system, he says, the more you give away, the more you're going to have. Just believe me. So there are some people that are mistaken. They're, they're selfish. I'm just going to say that's a small number of people. I'm going to say most people are afraid. They look in their check account. They look in their time. They look at their energy, and they think, I just, I'm done. I, I don't have any resources, and, and I'm afraid to give away what I have. I'm afraid to give away what I have, and I'm going to be honest with you. There have been times in my life that God has urged me to step forward, and I have not done it. And I've lived to regret it. And I've had to get before God and pray and ask him to forgive me for my little faith. I have faith. I believe that God is God. But my faith was not big enough to get me to move forward. So I, I have to apologize for my little faith. And I ask God to help me to have, accept my little faith and help me to have more faith. And then there are, there, there are those that they just don't have anything. There's, there's nothing left in the, the, the bank account. There's nothing there. It is empty. They're barely making ends meet. And I think that sometimes we mistake generosity as only being financial. Many times people don't know, under, understand where to begin with sowing of seed because financial sowing is just one of many, 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 many kinds of sowing of seed that we're going to talk about today. So, um, but understand this, this passage tells us freely given generous contributions are going to result in a bountiful yield of fruit. So we yield in direct proportion to what we sow. And then we're going to look at it, that we reap what we sow in kind. 
You know, the principle of sowing and reaping is all throughout the scriptures. And in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7, the apostle Paul is speaking about it again. He says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh, will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the spirit, <clears throat> will from the spirit reap life everlasting. So it's a, really what you put in the ground is what comes out of the ground. I mean, it's pretty simple. You put apples in the ground, apple seeds, and apple trees come up. Uh, thorns don't come up when you put apples in, or vice versa. Now, this principle, again, is counterintuitive in its foolishness to the natural mind. The natural mind thinks that the more I give myself, the happier I will be. The more food, the more drink, the more entertainment, the more comfort, the more vacations, the more toys, the more stuff, the happier I'm going to be. And yet this passage says, uh -uh. you sow to the flesh and you will of the flesh reap corruption, corruption. And we see the evidence of this. We see people that have become alcoholics, they become drug addicts, their marriages fall apart, their lives fall apart. People win the lottery and next thing you know, they're bankrupt and they commit suicide. It's like, you think, how is that possible? This is how it's possible. You sow to the flesh and of the flesh, you're going to reap corruption. So the question is, what are you sowing? We're all sowing something, guys. God gives us resources. So we're all sowing something one way or the other. Are you sowing good seed or are you sowing bad seed? But don't kid yourself. Be not deceived. God is not mocked and he's not asleep. He's paying close attention. And if, if you only hear one thing from me today, hear this. The fruit will come. In God's operating system, the fruit will always come. It will always come. Blessing is the natural result of sowing good seed. Pain is the natural result of sowing bad seed. Uh, and when that, when that seed comes up and the fruit comes, good or bad, don't bother praying for crop failure because the crops won't fail. Whether it's good crops or bad crops, the crops are coming. So you sow bad seed. You start to realize that, oh my goodness, bad fruit is coming. You pray, oh God. You run into the church office, Pastor Steve, I need to see you right now. I mean, like right now, my life is falling apart. And you go in and, and, and uh, you start telling me and you say, God, forgive me. Well, God will forgive you. God, restore my relationship to you. He'll restore your relationship to him. You humble yourself, it's done. That doesn't mean the fruit stops coming. You pray for crop failure all you want to. Those crops are coming, baby, good or bad. So you need to understand it is a natural part of God's operating system. It's like gravity. It is going to happen, good or bad. So the, the, next, the last thing I want to talk about on this point is God wants us to be motivated. God loves a generous and a, a, a cheerful giver. Giving that is motivated by God's grace, meaning God was gracious to you because God's gracious to you you are thankful, you're appreciative, and you feel to whom much is given, much will be expected. You hear me? To whom much is given, much is expected. You realize that, right? So God, when God is gracious to you, giving that comes from uh, uh, God's grace can only be given one way, graciously. It can be given cheerfully. And that's what God is saying. He says, each one must give as he's decided in his heart. So this means it's premeditated. This is not spontaneous. You don't wake up one day and say, I'm going to start giving tomorrow or today. It's, it's done as you've decided in your own heart. It's not done reluctantly. It's not done out of a sense of duty or obligation. And it's not done under compulsion, meaning somebody guilt-tripped you into it, like me. Uh, it's not because you, you're not under compulsion because God loves a cheerful giver. Have you ever known somebody that was a cheerful giver? I, I'm going to be honest. When I got saved... 
uh, and, and I came to the conclusion that God is God. He's, he's the creator, the sustainer. He's the boss. He made me. He owns me. He owns everything, and he's the Lord. When I got to that point in my life, I got saved. And when that happened, I went to the Bible to say, okay, I got to figure out what God wants me to do, and I just got to do it. It was not to me any more complicated than that. Figure out what he wants you to do and do it, and then this giving thing comes up. So we start doing, it wasn't that hard for us, honestly. We were two single people. We were two married people, no kids, little tiny house, no expenses. I mean, our vision was so small. I mean, if I had a garage and a hooded sweatshirt, I could work in my car, it was, my life was good. So we had no bills. Uh, and so you know, giving wasn't that tough, but we, we very quickly uh, began to realize that, boy, there are needs around us. There's a couple in our, in our Sunday school class, friends of ours who had a kid that needed surgery. And we, th we started to realize maybe we ought to help with that. So we did. The kid had surgery because their parents couldn't pay for it and we could. This is 30 years ago. Nobody has known that. I've never told a person that except Rob until today. You don't know the people, so it doesn't matter. But we started to feel what it was like to help a brother or sister in Christ when they had need. Then the missionaries came and we had a big missions conference and God tweaked my heart. I said, Robin, we're cleaning out our bank account. We gave every penny we had in our bank account. Right after that, what happens? She gets pregnant. We have a son. She stops working. The bills are mounting. And now I don't make enough money to pay the bills and now we're in trouble. Guess what? It didn't feel like I'd sown and then I started reaping. There is, there is a gap between when you sow seed and you reap fruit, right? You get that? So I took two jobs. For three years, I worked two jobs in order to keep things going. Uh, and I, I'm gonna tell you, I was not a cheerful giver. I was giving under compulsion. I'm not gonna lie, I was giving under compulsion. God said to do it, and I was gonna do it. And every Sunday, I would write that check out, and it was like, wow. I could think of about four million things I could do with this money right now, other than write it in this check. And yet, it was the first order of worship every Sunday. It was the first, because you said, but God is God, and he said to do it, and he's going to use this money to further his kingdom, and I'm going to do it as a step of obedience. It wasn't joyful, though. It was not cheerful. But I will tell you this. As people mature in their faith, giving becomes cheerful. I think very few people start out as cheerful givers. But I've known some, I've been privileged to know people that see their role in life as being people that just give. I had a business partner for 15 years. When I asked him what your goal in business is, is to give $1 million a year to world missions. This guy started with $4,000 that he borrowed from a buddy in 1962, and he built a plant with 18 plants and 1,600 employees, and he's in his mid-80s now, and he gives a million dollars every year to World Missions. That's his thing. He loves it, and he just loves doing it. So there are cheerful givers. God, God matures us into cheerful givers over time, but you may not start that way. You may start the way I did. So God loves the cheerful givers. What are some practical ways that we can sow good seed? Because Paul here is talking about money. It's only one way to sow good seed. It's, it's maybe in some ways not the best way, not the pow most powerful way. Have you ever known somebody who is generous with their love? Somebody who could just connect with people and they poured themselves, they sowed themselves in, they sowed into people with their love? My nanny was that way. My, my grandmother, my nanny was that way. Uh, and this was a woman who was ill. She had a heart condition. She wasn't not the grandmother that took you to Kalahari and went out and shot squirt guns at you and did that kind of stuff. She was not that person, but she sat and talked with you and talked with you and talked with you. I was her favorite, of course. And so we were very close. She poured a lot into me and a lot of, she kept me in a lot of trouble. I didn't want to disappoint my nanny and I, and I wanted to do all the right things and be the right person and make her proud. And one day she passed. And when she passed, I was elected by our family to do her eulogy. So... I interviewed all 12 of my cousins to see what would you say if you were doing the eulogy. 
And guess what I found out? All 12 of them, all 13 of us, thought that we were her favorite. Can you imagine somebody having a heart so big that 13 children thought that they were her favorite? 13 people were instructed by her and, and, and encouraged by her and held accountable by her and, and loved her. And, and uh, all 13 of us privately said, you know, I know I was her favorite and it's sort of hard for me to say, but you know what? There's nothing I'll ever build. There's nothing I'll ever do. No amount of money I'll ever give that'll match up to that. That's sowing seed, guys. That's sowing seed right where the rubber meets the road. So what about, what about just kind words? Are you the person that when you go to the grocery store, you go to the gas station, you go to work, you go anywhere that people say, you know, when I talk to that guy, he's just, he's just, I always feel good. I feel encouraged. I feel challenged. He's just so kind to me. You know, uh, the scripture says the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. Is your mouth a fountain of life? When people talk to you, they think, I just know, I just like being with them because I just feel good. I feel encouraged. You know, what about your time? Can you be generous with your time? I've known people, the guy that was my business partner who started this business mentored five different business leaders like myself. He built a foundation that gives away a million dollars a year that he ran. He ran 18 plants with 1,600 employees, and he personally mentored five people like myself who today say, I wish, when I grow up, I want to be Abner Yoder. I, I hope I can be Abner Yoder when I grow up. Where did that time come from? You ever notice the people most generous with their time? Many are the people that are the busiest people you know. They're also somehow generous with their time. Could you be generous with your time and sow into the lives of other people? What about the word of God? The apostle Paul in another passage talking, or Jesus, uh, talking about sowing and reaping the parable of the sower. He says, the sower went out to seed and the seed was what? Was the word of God. Do you sow the word of God in the lives of people? Guys, every one of us, we could go on. I literally, I, this message was five and a half hours long when I started it. So we could, we could go on and on and on and talk about how we sow good seed. But know this, every believer can and should be a generous sower of good seed. It's a simple principle. Sow generously, reap generously, sow sparingly, reap sparingly. So if you're reaping sparingly, I would suggest that you go home, look in the mirror, and say, you are a cheapskate with your seed. Stop being that way, and maybe you'll reap more generously. It's a part of God's operating system. Okay, enough of that. Let's get to something more pleasant. God's plan for provision. God actually plans to supply the seed and the fruit. Here we go. Uh, verse 8, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely, he's given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Wow. So God calls and builds every single one of his people to live a life of good works. Why is God doing this? So you can abound. We're not talking about muddling. We're not talking about crawling. We're talking about abounding in what? Every good work. God wants us to abound in every good work. Ephesians 2 says, for we, are, we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus for what purpose? To do good works. That's why we were created. He built us to do good works. And then it goes on, which God hath prepared in advance for us to do. So God created us for good works. 
He prepared in advance. The path is created, and all God's doing is saying, step forward, step forward, get on the path. Go where I'm telling you to go. Uh, but he's prepared in advance for us to do good work. So in, in that preparation, he set up seed stores along the way, things that you're going to need to be able to sow that seed. The second thing here, though, is good works must begin, and this is critical, with a belief by faith that God will supply the resources that we need to do this. You know, the fears that we have, I have them. We all have these fears. They're natural. They're normal. This is a part of the survival instinct that's in every human being. But God's generosity cycle asks us to not be natural and not be normal. We should be a peculiar people. We should be beyond that. And God's generosity cycle requires us to sow the seed. He provides the seed, so God has a seed. He's in his cycle, he hands the seed to us, and now we gotta decide what to do. We can grab that seed because we're afraid and hold it tight, or we, so we grab the seed like this, or we can see ourselves as a pass-through entity. So God generously gives to us in that his generosity flows through our fingers, and it, it goes in the form of seed that goes in the ground for other things. We have to sow it. And God's, gener God's provision is triggered by our obedience to sow that seed. We hold that seed, God stops. We let that seed go, it triggers God to move on to the next stage. It's an operating system, guys. It just functions this way. This is not complicated. And generous giving does require a lot of faith. It does. Giving is, being generous uh, is not for sissies. This is not for lightweights. Because, you know, our, our relationship with God is all about faith. We're saved by grace through faith. That's where it all begins, isn't it, with God? We, we accept that he's God, and we, by faith we start there. But Scripture says, but guess what, boys and girls? The just shall live by faith. Every day of your life, you're going to have to live by faith. So, you know, you start by saying, God, I know who you are. I accept you as my Savior. You're kneeling at the altar, and on Sunday at a church, and Monday comes. And when Monday comes, real life comes. Work comes. Problems come. Trouble comes. You know, when I do my devotions in the morning, I'm the most spiritual guy in the world for about 15 minutes. I get in my car, somebody pulls out in front of me, that's the end, I'm not spiritual anymore. They said, idiot, he's slow, why can't he drive? You ought to go to school, he shouldn't be allowed on the roads. And you know, by the time I get to work, I'm a, I'm, the de I'm a demon by the time I get to work, it's amazing. But life happens, and bad things happen. You know, and so along the way, when bad things happen, here's what happens, you're discouraged, there's a crisis in your, in your life. There's, a, there's a, an accident, there's a health issue, there's a financial problem, and you don't know what to do, and you start praying, and God asks you two simple questions. He's asked me these questions a, a thousand times. Do you still believe I am who you said I am? Do you believe that I'm God above all, blessed forevermore, creator and sustainer of the universe who can do anything? Do you still believe that? And if the answer is yes, and honestly, honestly, I have thought about that. I couldn't say yes to that question sometimes right away. Sometimes when that question comes up, I'm like, well, I'll get back to you. Can I come back tomorrow and just, I'm not sure. And if the answer to that question is yes, then do you trust me? And if you trust me, then move. Move forward and do what you need to do and sow that seed, you dog. Uh, 11, Hebrews 11, 6 says this, for without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, that he exists, and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. This is going to happen over and over again. This is not going to happen once in your life, guys. It's going to happen over and over and over and over again. God will say, do you believe I am who I say I am? Do you trust me? And eventually you'll get tired of that and you'll just answer yes quickly and move on because you'll know where it's going to end. So it takes a lot of faith. 
But once that faith, once you say, yes, God, I believe you, I trust you, I'm going to sow the seed, here's what happens next. God freely provides the sower with the seed and the fruit. You don't have to come up with all that. God does that. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Your righteousness? It's not my righteousness. I, I, I reject that statement. But you'll be, in, you'll be enriched in every way. Why? To be generous in every way. So you, the cycle starts with God, goes to you. Now you sow the seed. Guess what happens? God kicks into gear. He supplies the seed. He, su he multiplies the seed. You know when you put one corn plant in the ground, how many corn plants come out? One corn kernel goes in and hundreds and hundreds come out. It's unbelievable. So he multiplies the seed. He increases the harvest, not for our self-interest. I mean, here it says, you'll be enriched in every way. Why? So you could be generous in every way. You know what God wants to do? He wants to liberate us. He wants to liberate us to go do what that little voice inside has been telling you all along. That little voice says, I want to be generous. I want to be kind. I want to do the right thing. It's called the Holy Spirit of God. It's not a little voice. It's a big voice. But God wants to liberate that voice, and he wants to liberate us from our fear. And so you get to move forward, and guess what happens then? There's thanksgiving. There's, the result is thanksgiving to God. It's an awesome thing. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now unto him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we could ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. You know, when I read this passage for the first time, I, I just, I, I could not get to this end of this thing and not give testimony. Because in my life, I, here's where I started. Age 20, we're married. We got this little 900 square foot house on a cement slab in Brighton, Michigan. Robin says we ought to go to church. So I said, okay, let's go to church. We go to this little Baptist church. And uh, I told her, listen, I'll go to church, but we're not doing like the Sunday school, the church, the Sunday night, the Wednesday night, not doing all of that, but we'll go to church on Sunday and I am not giving them any money. This, that's a no. Now I might tip, I might throw a t 10 in the, in the offering plate once in a while when it goes by, but none of that. That's where I started, guys. I was just that awesome. My nanny thought I was awesome, by the way, but, <laughs> but nobody else, God would not have thought I was awesome. A year and a half later, after listening to the Word of God over and over again, I came to the conclusion there was a God. And I better do, I better, I better do what He says. And I got saved. At that point, God started working in my life, and we started giving. And, you know, I'm going to say that we've been through every good thing and every bad thing that can happen. Uh, you know, we've, we've lived with Robin's nephew. We've lived in a single-wide mobile home. We've, we've gone a year without pay. You know, I went in the ministry for a while and, and got my pay cut by 75% to go in the ministry. That was awesome. Uh, and you can imagine we've been on the envelope system. We've been on everything known to man that it was difficult. And honestly, we have, we have been everywhere that is awesome. Awesome. You know, when that scripture says, unto him who could do exceedingly abundantly above what you could have asked or thought... Honestly, I couldn't have prayed for the life that I have today. I couldn't have imagined it. It's so far beyond, it was so far beyond where my brain was all the way back here. I couldn't have asked for it because I couldn't have thought of it. And along the way, one step at a time, do you trust me? Do you trust me? Do you trust me? And when that happens, God keeps upping the ante. But when he ups the ante on seed, he also ups the ante on fruit. And I, I could not imagine. And, and when I see my life today, I just have to say, Unto him be glory in the church. God, this is a real principle. It works. It's true. It's right. And we need to trust it. The last thing I want to talk about is God's virtuous cycle. And let's read this starting in, in verse 12. 
For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but it's also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By the approval of this service, they will glorify God. Why? Because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ. You submitted and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Here's God's generosity cycle. We live in a world that stinks, don't we? All kinds of terrible things. People, people want to steal from you. They want to, they want to cheat you and they want to lie to you. Not God. God so loved the world that he gave. God gave first. He gave his son. He gave us his spirit. He gave us his word. He gave us the church. He gave us, he gave us every spiritual blessing in high places in Christ Jesus. God gave freely. Now we're the recipients. He gave to us. Now what are we going to do? We're either going to grab it and keep it to ourselves or we're going to be a pass-through entity. So when we're a pass-through entity, we give why? Because we're just grateful to whom much was given, much was required. And I was given so much, how dare I hold on to it? So when we sow that seed out of a heart of gratitude to God, that seed gets sown in the ground. Then what happens? The needs of believers get met. The needs of our community gets met. The needs of those all around us get met. Uh, you realize that God plans to solve the problems of this world through his people. We're his ambassadors. We're not waiting for Donald Trump to solve our problems, guys. Like him or don't like him, he ain't coming to North Canton to solve our problems here. He's not coming to your house to solve your problems, and he's not coming to your business to solve your problems. God put you there to do that. That's why we're here. So God's needs are met. And in, in, in Galatians 6.10 says, So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone. Comma. And especially to those who are the household of faith. Let us do good to everyone. As, as we have time, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are the household of faith. Your brothers and sisters in Christ, how can you have a brother that has a need and you don't meet it? I mean, for goodness sake. So when those needs are met, now physical needs are met, real things get done. This is not a theory. This is not about some guy bombastically talking from the platform on Sunday like Steve Marshall does. We're talking about something real, tangible changes. Something real and tangible gets done, and what happens then is God is glorified. The next thing is God is glorified because these people that are recipients of your generosity, your love, your time, your kindness, your, your financial help, your physical help, whatever it is, they are the recipients. They know that you did it out of a heart of love for God. And so when you did it, they glorify God. Then, on top of that, they're, they're actually grateful to you. So they long for you. Here it says, they long for you. Loving bonds are formed. You know, we, this, these things transcend race. They transcend culture. They transcend language. They transcend gender. I've gone to the other side of the earth where you're talking. Tajikistan, good example. They speak Russian over there. They, there's nothing Western in Tajikistan, nothing. You don't know these people from Adam, and within a day, a bond starts to form between you. Your spirit, the spirit of God in you, bears witness with the spirit of God in them, and wham, you just start to lock down. And then you realize that they have a need, and you just got to do something about it. You got to do something about it. And so you do. And then guess what happens? They, there's a, an affection that keeps building. Now they feel like they need to do something for you. So what do they do? They pray for you. You know, the Bible says that God has chosen the poor in this world to be rich in faith. 
You know what it means to me? When I go to these places, I, I, sometimes I saddle up next to people that I've been with in other parts of the world, and their faith, I'm, I'm, a, I'm Pee Wee Herman by comparison to them in their faith. They're like Arnold Schwarzenegger of faith, and I'm the Pee Wee Herman of faith. I feel like I'm nobody. But when somebody that is the Arnold Schwarzenegger of faith starts praying for me, it matters. The last big recession, you know, all businesses are under complete pressure. I got emails from multiple places around the world saying, Brother Pat, we're praying for you. We're praying for Progressive Foam. We're praying for you and Robin because we know that you've been faithful to us and we thank you for that. We're praying for you. Guess what? We came through that thing. We didn't come through unharmed, but we came through in really good shape, like really good shape. We came through probably in some ways better shape than we went into that mess. Um, and so why? Because God's filling your, putting seed in your, in your, in your basket. He's replenishing the seed that you're going to need to sow the next time you go. It's not complicated, guys. These guys are praying for you. Then what happens? The faith of the giver is strengthened. The giver is empowered. The giver is encouraged. What does the giver do? Becomes generous again. Now the giver is the one that's generous, and the cycle starts over again. The really cool thing is right behind you is the person that was the receiver also feels like something was given to them. There's a responsibility, and then they become generous. It was in Dominican Republic, we were setting up a, a, a micro loans for uh, 20 businesses there. And these were men and women, and it was, they were, these are faithful men and women in their church. And when I said the generosity cycle is when you have received, the, the, the cycle is not complete until you've become generous. These are people who are destitutely poor. They, it was silence for a minute, and then it was, it was electric. One of the men stood up and says, amen, amen, amen. It had never occurred to them that they could be the one that was generous. It had never occurred to them. They were always the recipients. They're the poor people. And yet God, God multiplies the seed, and it never occurred to them that they could be the generous one. That's God's virtuous cycle. Boy, we watched crazy things go on where it just went, it's good, one bad thing after another bad thing after another bad thing. This is a virtuous cycle that just goes up and up and up and up. This is the way God works. It's a, it's a virtuous cycle. God has given us an inexpressible and an unspeakable gift. It is inexpressible. What is this gift? Scripture says it's the surpassing grace of God to you. God gave to you. It's the surpassing grace of God given to you. That's the inexpressible gift. And the inexpressible God that God gave, the, inex, the surpassing grace of God given through you, the pass-through entity, to bless the world. That's the inexpressible gift. This gift, what are we doing with it? It's a question. You know, this begins by salvation, by salvation, by grace through faith. You know, Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, you've been saved by grace through faith, that not of yourself, it's a gift of God, not of works. So, you know, we, we, the gift is freely offered to everybody, but like any other gift, it's not yours until you've accepted the gift and you've received it. I can, I can put a gift outside of you. I can put a car with a big bow on it outside of your house, but if you never receive the gift, then you're never going to have the gift. It'll just be parked in front of your house with a big bow on it. So the question is, are, are you a person that's here today that you've, you've, if you've accepted and received that gift? I sat in church for a long time before I accepted and received that gift. I did. I listened for a long time because I didn't want to do it. Honestly, I did not want to be a Christian. Uh, but uh, eventually, I, I did make that decision. Have you accepted this gift of salvation entered, entered into a living relationship with God. And if not, you need to accept the surpassing grace of God. You need to accept it. You need to accept it today. 
And I encourage you that in the time that we're done, that you, you'd find somebody, me, any one of our deacons, anybody, and say, would you help me pray to, to know how to accept that gift and make it real in my life? And then for the believers, the surpassing grace of God through us to the world, you know, God has led us, he's empowered us to join him in the work that he's doing in the world around us. God wants to bless the world by blessing us. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he hath prepared beforehand that we could do them. He's prepared it. He's built us that way. That voice that, that nags at you, it's there for a reason. He built you that way to do good works. He's prepared the way before you. Do you believe him? Do you trust him? When he asks you, do you believe I am who I say I am? What do you say? And when you say, Does, do you trust me? What do you say? When bad things happen and you start and you, you give of your bank account and boom, the next thing you know, you can't pay your bills anymore. What do you do? Do you cave in and start, start grabbing seed and keeping it for yourself? Or do you keep sowing because you trust God? It's a great question. God blesses the world through his people. He calls us to be the light of the world. He expresses his love to the world through us. He wants to be generous. God wants to be generous to the world through us. My question to you is, are you fully committed to stepping up by faith? The path is set. He says, step forward. Are you going to step forward by faith? It's not going to make sense. Not going to make sense. It's going to be scary. I'm telling you. And then bad things are going to happen. You're going to step out here and more bad things are going to happen. And God's going to say, do you trust me? Do you trust me? Then keep moving. Because if you trust me, you're going to keep moving and you got to keep moving. Are you committed to that? Guys, we can't wait for Washington, D.C. to solve our problems. The solution to the world's problems, I'm convinced of this, is found in God's people. The world's best chance is found in the, in the body of Christ. In, in, in Colossians 1.27, it says, Christ in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's Christ in us that is the hope of glory. What are we going to do to change the world around us and make the world better? This is, this is what this reaping and sowing is all about. Are you going to sow generously so you can reap generously so that you can get more seeds so you can sow generously so you can get more seeds so you can reap so generously? This is, what it, this is what life is for us, boys and girls. It's what our life is. Today, I want you to decide one thing as we, as we pray. What is one thing that God's put on your heart while I've been up here yelling and screaming that, that you think, you know, I should do something differently? I could be generous, and, and I might be able to not be able to generous this way, but I could be generous that way. Is it with your love? Is it with kind words? Is it with your time? Is it with the word of God? Is it with your, your physical presence and your body, the things that you could do to help somebody? There's a thousand ways to be generous. What are you going to do in the next 30 days? I want you to commit that to God while we're praying. Lord God, we come before you today. We submit ourselves before you. We thank you for your inexpressible gift. We thank you for the surpassing grace of God that you've bestowed upon us and that you allow us to pass through to the world around us. We're, we're thankful for the fact, Lord, that you have a plan for this world, but that plan involves us, Lord. We just want to commit ourselves to you as a church. We want to come before you and please you with what we say and do. Lord, help us to have the courage, the wisdom, and the resources to move forward to do the things you've called us to do. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.